Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Christ in Me with Addie, where we seek to live out a John 3.30 life. John 3.30 says he must become greater and greater and I less and less. Let's be real. In today's world, it can seem impossible to live out what the Bible calls us to do. Not only can it be hard to understand sometimes, but finding the time to read the Bible, to understand the Bible, to know the Bible, it can just be overwhelming. So I created this podcast so we could walk alongside each other, share some of our stories and struggles, but also where the Lord is bringing us so that we can encourage one another and stay rooted in his word. It's my prayer that you walk away from each episode saying, I know that that is Christ in me. I know Christ in me. So let's get into today's topic. everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Christ in Me with Addie. I cannot believe that we're on to the ninth episode of this podcast. That means I've been doing this for nine weeks straight, and I've just been having so much fun diving into these topics, learning a lot myself, and I just hope that you are learning a lot as well. Many of you have been DMing me and just letting me know your experience so far with the podcast, and I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to reach out and send me some encouragement because that's truly why I created this, not for me just specifically to receive encouragement, but for both of us to receive encouragement, to not feel alone in the faith, and to uh, hopefully just hear relatable stories and and make connections and and just grow in the faith alongside each other. That was my hope and prayer for this podcast. So I wanted to say thank you and also that I would love to meet you if you've been listening. So reach out to me at Addie Overla on Instagram. Um, I hope you guys have been enjoying this and let me know if you have any topic requests as well. So with all that being said, let's talk about today's topic, which is the selfishness of sin. So there was a really specific moment in my life that brought forth um, kind of the inspiration for this episode, and I'll get into that. But sin in general is a really hard conversation to have with one another. And this is really for um, like someone who is kind of lukewarm Christian, who's got kind of got, you know, two toes in the world and two toes in um, scripture or someone who is completely an unbeliever, you know, talking to another believer. It's really hard to talk about sin with people who, who don't quite understand the gravity of sin. The Bible defines sin in 1 John 3, 4 as lawlessness or breaking the law or rebelling from the law of God. You might have heard that and been wondering, what is the law of God? And these are moral laws that God lays out in scripture. When we break the moral laws of God, we distance ourselves from Him and we deny Him with our actions that go against His law. So even if you say you believe in God, but you go against what He defines as a sin, you are considered His enemy, according to James 4, 4 through 8. Now, I know all that sounds really harsh, and people don't like to hear about sin because the discussion of sin is is just really difficult because it implies that humans are in need of correction. And let's be honest, receiving correction is really hard. Even as a Christian myself, I've been corrected really gracefully by other Christians at times, and I did not receive it well, even though they had the best of intentions, and they might have been right. But I think that's just natural human pride is that we don't like to acknowledge that sometimes we need correction. So there are just people who don't want to be corrected, not by God and certainly not by Christians. 
So here's kind of what inspired today's episode. I wanted to share what happened in my life a few weeks ago that led to this podcast topic. But before I share, you may have read this title and thought, I am tired of hearing about all the ways that I'm sinful or how I might be going to hell because of this, this, and this, or that I'm a broken, sinful human and I just don't want to hear it. Or maybe you thought, I've heard this subject a million times. I know sin is bad and that I need God. Next topic. But in this episode, I really want to challenge you all with a different perspective on sin. So hear me out. Stick with me. I promise this isn't just to um, come across condemning or anything like that. That's not my intention. But I want to change your perspective on sin with this conversation. So a few weeks ago, I was on my Facebook page and a family member of mine had put a thumbs down on one of my posts where I was talking about the importance of waiting until marriage. Anyone who follows me on social media or on Instagram might know that this is a huge topic that I'm so passionate about is just helping other young men and women um, gain freedom from from sexual sin and sexual brokenness and find that true f- freedom in the Lord like I did um, because it's when my eyes were open to the importance on waiting till marriage that really I, I just felt my soul set free with God. So anyways, I was just really surprised by the thumbs down. So I sent this um, family member a message just to say like, hey, I'm sorry if anything I said offended you. Um, And I asked them though, you know, why did you have to thumbs down it? You could have simply just disagreed and, and maybe gone on with your day. And just a little more context, um, you know, I receive negative comments all the time for talking about God on social media, but I think where it hits really hard for me, where it hits home for me is when it's people I actually know. You know, if it's like a random person on the internet who's like, God's not real in my comments, I can shake that off and be like, that's a W because they were an unbeliever and at least heard God's name today. But when it comes to close friends of mine or family members, it hurts, right? It's hurtful. So a little more context. This is a family member that I really don't get to see often. And I was just surprised that they had never really reached out about anything in my life, but decided to state their disapproval that specific day. So anyway, the conversation carried on a bit, and unfortunately, they were just really misunderstanding and misreading my intentions, and I feel like that was mistake number one. That just always happens via text, right? I was trying my best to give an answer to my faith, as we're instructed to do in 1 Peter 3.15, but unfortunately, this person was just not ready to hear, and the more I tried to explain using, you know, Scripture as my foundation— the angrier they became. I can't say with certainty where this family member falls in their faith or whether or not they even believe in God, Um, but they had said two consulting, two consenting adults can sleep with one another before marriage and it's not a sin, that Christians can have varying opinions, and that I was self-righteous for sharing what I do. Of course, the conversation deeply saddened my heart, but I wanted to share it not to put my family member on blast. And I really want to make sure that's clear. The only reason I'm sharing this is to hopefully help um, others who have been in this situation relate. But I want to share this to hopefully help bridge the gap for anyone else who's struggling to recognize sin as sin. I want to break down a few things about this family member's reply. 
So the first statement they made was that two consenting adults can sleep with each other before marriage, and it's not a sin. As Christians, we know that the Word of God tells us all the ways that this actually goes against the character of God and the moral laws of God. And if you'd like to hear more about that specific topic and and why I'm passionate about waiting until marriage, you can listen to my testimony episode and also my waiting until marriage episode for specific scriptures, um, but also for my redemption story and finding healing from sexual sin. So oftentimes we see people trying to redefine sin based on their feelings on the subject and not on the word of God. Sin is a difficult conversation because we have to set aside our own selfish motives, thoughts, and feelings to recognize the things that God says are a sin as a sin. I can really relate to my family member and their line of thinking because before I became a a Christian, a born-again believer, for years I defined for myself what I thought was a sin and what wasn't instead of turning to God and asking Him to to define those things for me. Again, you can hear more about that in my testimony episode, but truly I used to say, you know, like, well, this is okay. I can do this, this, and this. I can cross that line as long as I'm in love with the person. Or, you know, we can we can do those things together as, as long as we just don't tell anybody about it, you know? As long as we're still going to church on Sunday, then it's okay that we did this. And the more I got to know God and His definitions and not my own definitions, the more open my eyes became to the truth of His Word. It wasn't until I humbled myself to spend time in God's Word that my thoughts, actions, and motives began to align with God. The second thing that my family member said was that Christians can have varying opinions. And I believe that there is truth to this, but with limits. When it comes to primary theological ideas in the faith, these are the fundamental truths of the Bible. I do not believe that we can vary there. These are undeniable and clear instructions in God's word, like the Ten Commandments, for example, you know, do not steal, do not kill. Flee from sexual immorality, love your neighbor, etc. And then there are secondary theological ideas that I do believe we can disagree or vary on that do not affect our salvation. For example, these would be things like denominational differences on how we should conduct communion or um, how we should hold a marriage ceremony. You know, there's different ways people uh, hold those events while still recognizing the core truth of the Bible, but how they might do those things varies. So the last part of what my family member said that really inspired this episode is the comment that Christians who follow the Bible are self-righteous. I don't know if any of you as believers have ever been told that. And, you know, I really try to hold myself at, at a humble posture. I try to hold myself in a lot of humility. But the truth is, it's that some people will just be offended by the Word of God no matter what. I don't know if you've ever been called self-righteous or if you've seen unbelievers or um, lukewarm Christians, anybody who who might not be solid solidly following the Word of God, if you've ever heard them call a Christian self-righteous, I think there are two main questions that we have to ask is, did your approach um, kind of earn that comment? You know, were were you approaching the conversation with tact or were you just trying to be a know-it-all and say, well, the Bible says this and you got to do this or or that that's not good, you know, or were you were you really approaching the conversation well? I prayed on it a lot because this conversation really, really affected me that week and it it hurt my heart. You know, I've never been called self-righteous before and 
it definitely stung a little bit. And I had to go to God in prayer and say, if there was anything that I did wrong, Lord, would you show me? Would you correct me? Would you convict me so that I know how to be better for next time? So the definition of self-righteousness is believing you are of moral superiority. As Christians, though, we don't define our own morality. We recognize God as superior to ourselves to the point that we actually deny ourselves and our wants to follow God's word. Matthew 16, 24 through 25 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I really love that last line of that verse. For whoever wants to save his life, will lose it. So whoever wants to save their life and have eternal life with with Jesus eternally in heaven will lose their earthly life here and now. And you may be thinking, does that mean I'm going to die? But it's not quite that. We put to death our old selves when we follow Christ, which means our old motives, our old ways, our old line of thinking dies, and we are born again into a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new life that is founded on His Word. So it says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So that's what He promises, is if you set aside the old life, if you set aside the earthly desires, the earthly thoughts, you will find your life with God in His Word. As Christians, we humble ourselves to submit to the moral character of God. In other words, Christians who follow the truth of the Bible are actually the opposite of self-righteous as we believe God is the only one to hold any righteousness. But the reason I wish that this conversation with them could have continued on is because I never got the chance to explain um, the truth of what Christians actually believe, but they also weren't willing to listen. And I think that's where the delicate dance of really moving when God calls us to move and speaking when God calls us to speak uh, comes into play. So as Christians, like I said, we humble ourselves to submit to the moral character of God. We allow Him to define our morality instead of ourselves. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon that says, "'The greatest enemy to the human soul is the self-righteous spirit, which makes men look to themselves for salvation.'" So truly, a self-righteous person is someone who defines for themselves what sin is and how they should live instead of turning to God and His Word. That's where the selfishness of sin comes in. That's what inspired the title of this podcast episode. When we view ourselves of higher moral superiority than God, we, in a sense, are declaring ourselves our own God capable of redefining what is good and what is bad for us. But the sad truth is, no matter how we define things for ourselves, on Judgment Day, we will answer to how we followed God's definitions, not our own. I'm going to read that again because it really, when that sunk in for me as a lukewarm Christian, that's when I went all in for the Word of God. So again, on Judgment Day, we will answer to how we followed God's definitions, not our own. John 12, 48 says, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. 
So many times I hear people say, you know, I, I don't hear God. I haven't heard from God. I've been praying and praying and praying and I don't hear him. He, he's, he's absent. He's not present in my life. And I say, I've said this in another podcast episode, but I, I ask them, how has your prayer life been? How have you been in your, in your Bible time with the Lord? We can't say God has been silent when our Bibles have been closed because He's already spoken. And this verse quotes that. He said, the word that I have spoken will judge Him on the last day. Unfortunately, the conversation with my family member ended in them blocking me, and I felt horribly misunderstood, and I'm sure they did too, even though that was not my intention. But I'm telling you all this to say that truly sin is selfishness. The hardest part is humbling ourselves to believe in God's way over our own. The family member I was speaking with had pointed out how my life looked a lot differently previously to being saved and how it was sort of ironic that I'm now preaching the gospel as if to say my past negated my newly opened eyes and mind in Christ. But attacking my old life is like trying to rob a house that I no longer live in. God was able to wake me up to the truth about sin, and I realized after so many years of failing in my old life, I never once tried it God's way. So I wanted to offer a different perspective on sin to all of you today as someone who used to be a self-definer to someone who now turns to God for my moral compass. God showed His greatest love to me by correcting me in my sin. In the Christian faith, we call that conviction. God uses the Holy Spirit inside of us in this unshakable, gut-feeling kind of way to correct us in no right versus wrong. And truly, looking back at my old life, I had that gut-punch feeling so many times, and I didn't listen. I think conviction and discernment are two sort of like Christianese. And if you've never heard the word Christianese, those are terms kind of in the Christian vocabulary that might seem kind of um, exclusive in a way if you are are not a churchgoer or maybe if you're early in the faith. So I want to try to to say those words and define them for you guys, but also I, my intention is not to exclude anyone in using them. So the word conviction is when the Holy Spirit is trying to give us correction. And then we can also receive discernment from the Holy Spirit, which is like a type of wisdom that we might not have had previously that comes from God to guide us um, in our day-to-day -day life. For example, a conviction typically comes after sin to be corrected and then you know repent of your sin or to tell God that you're sorry and you acknowledge the sin that you made and you would like forgiveness. Whereas discernment is, um, here's an example, but the other day I was in Chipotle and there was a couple in front of me and I felt like God just drop a word in my head and he was like, buy their meal. And they were in front of me and I sat there trying to like argue with God. And I was like, but God, how do I pay for their meal if they're in front of me? Like, do I go tap them? And I'm, I'm an introvert, truly. I am an introvert. So I was like, God, do I go tap them on the shoulder and be like, Hey guys, like God wants me to buy your meal today. Or like, I just didn't know what to say. And so unfortunately in that moment, I did not follow the word of God. I did not follow the word God gave me, the discernment God gave me. And I left Chipotle so convicted because I knew that I hadn't done what God asked me to do. And I had to ask for forgiveness 
because I knew that God wanted me to do something there and I didn't do it. So hopefully that kind of helps break down those two definitions. But Romans 8, 9 through 11 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you— He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I know that that was a lot, but here Paul has been describing the difference between those who live by their own self-reliant, selfish, sinful flesh and those who live by the spirit of God. So this is another one of those terms that can be kind of weird. If you're like me, you hear the word flesh and you're kind of like, Ew. (laughs) But the Bible really paints a really interesting picture here. So it's talking about how our bodies, our flesh, it's trying to say the, the beings that we are has a sinful nature. But there is a spirit inside of us, the spirit of God, when we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that helps kind of discern between the sinful desires of the flesh and then the will of God. So Paul's description leaves no room for anyone to both live by the flesh and live by the spirit. Christians live by the spirit and the spirit aligns with the word of God. The spirit is who help helps keep us on track with the word of God. Even if we are sometimes distracted by sin, it can still correct us to the word of God. A true believer in Christ can sin, and we know this from 1 John 1, 9 through 10, but sin is not the normal pattern of behavior for someone who is in Christ, which is 1 John 3, 4 through 6. Non-Christians live by the flesh, serving themselves, and that is where the selfishness of sin comes in once again. So you may be asking yourself, how then do I decipher between what is my own sinful, fleshly self-desire and what is the will of God? So again, here we have to kind of ask ourselves, does it align with scripture? But I once heard a pastor describe this really well. Um, He said that you can determine what feelings are your own versus what is the Holy Spirit sort of conviction, gut punch feeling based on whether or not you can reason with that feeling. Generally, we can reason with ourselves and we tend to give in like, oh, I, I really shouldn't go out tonight because I have church in the morning. But if I just have one drink then I'll be fine. You know, whereas with God, the true Holy Spirit discernment that we experience, we can't talk the feeling away and we can't reason with it. We can ignore it and choose to just completely deny it and continue sinning, or we can change course. I'm a huge fan of The Belonging Company. Um, It's a church in Nashville, Tennessee. I've only been able to visit there once, but I've loved their music for um, many, many years now. And they recently released a song called Mercy of God. And I want to read these lyrics because they just hit, like they hit different. So, and no, I'm not going to sing it to you. I'm just going to speak it. (laughs) It says, you love through conviction, reveal what is hidden, the thoughts and decisions that I cover up. It's never to hurt me. It's how you preserve me. I'm welcome and worthy by the mercy of God. The first time I heard that verse, it's the second verse of the song, by the way. And if you haven't heard the song, Mercy of God by the Belonging of, Com- by 
by the belonging company. Um, look it up because it's a really great song. But it says, you love through conviction. Reveal what is hidden. It's never to hurt me. It's how you preserve me. I'm welcome and worthy by the mercy of God. Those lyrics are just so good. You love through conviction. I've never thought about it that way. God loves us by revealing our sin to us. I think too often in the church, we say like, this is a sin and this is a sin. You must repent and turn from your wicked ways, which I agree with. But again, it's about delivery, tact, conversation, biblical knowledge for some people. But I think all too often we look at sin so negatively and it it is negative. We know that sin is the opposite of righteousness, which is goodness. So if, you know, God is good, sin is bad. But truly, it's through God's love and mercy and grace that he points out our sin to us. But we have to be willing to be corrected. Pointing out our sin isn't an act of offense or condemnation, but it's actually an act of love. And you may be thinking, how can correction be loving? I want you to think about this really quick. Have you ever tried to help someone and they just continually keep doing the same thing time after time. Parents, you can probably relate to this if you've ever raised a toddler or a teenager. (laughs) And ladies, you can probably relate to this if you've ever had a friend who continually cries to you about a bad dating situation, but keeps going back to the same guy. It gets frustrating after a while, right? But how beautiful is this picture of God's mercy that he doesn't ever get frustrated and give up on us. Instead, he continues to show us love through his conviction and correction time and time again, not to shame us, but to see our souls saved and in closeness with him and ultimately walking in the freedom from sin that we are promised in Christ Jesus. Jesus died for our sins, not for us to be ignorant to sin or define sin for ourselves, but to actually be able to experience freedoms from sin when we come to the knowledge of the truth of the Bible. Romans 8.2 says that this deliverance happens by one law overruling another. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I think it's really normal when we hear something that we are doing is a sin and we get defensive. You know, I think that's really normal for us to read something in the Bible and be like, well, I'm doing that right now. Like I'm, I just gossiped, you know, yesterday with my girlfriends around, you know, going out to eat. Or maybe you read something you're like, well, I'm, I'm living with my current um, boyfriend or girlfriend and we're not married or, um, I get drunk all the time and I didn't know that was a sin. It's normal for us to want to just slam the Bible closed and be like, well, I'm not doing that. So I get it. I think it's really normal when we hear that something we're doing is a sin. It's normal to get offended initially. And I can definitely say that I did not always handle correction gracefully. (laughs) I definitely did not. But in today's day and age, many things scripture lays out as a sin are tied to people's identity. So I I get it. I understand why it's normal to respond with offense initially. I too was horribly offended at first when confronted with the idea that anything I was doing was sinful. But in hindsight, I could recognize my offense as my own selfishness that kept me from wanting to change. 
It's easier to cancel and push away anyone who challenged me than it was to actually investigate my convictions because that's what it was. You know, the I, I would be offended initially and then I'd go to God and be like, God, you know, so-and-so said this and, you know, they might be right, but I, I don't want to change. And I, I was mad about it. So um, I guess... You know, I pray for them and their approach, but I guess I also pray for me in case I was in the wrong. And as I just kind of opened myself to the idea of what if when it came to correction, and as I investigated those convictions in his word, <laughs> he changed me so much. You know, Jesus always said, come as you are. Jesus always welcomed all sinners. He sat and he ate with sinners, but he didn't say stay as you are. Not one person who met Jesus left as the same person they were. He corrected them in some way. But the thing is, is Jesus had the best tact. Jesus had the best approach. But some people were still offended. And we know that from scripture. And that brings me to a more encouraging point. How do we move forward when we are offended and angry and, and convicted? For me, it all started with daily prayer. I went to God with my frustrations, and initially it was really hard for me to talk to God when I was offended by His Word, but I did it anyway. I would say, God, I don't understand how this could be wrong or harmful for me. Help me understand. Or I would straight up call God out and be like, okay, God, if this is really what Christians think, then show me where it says that in your Word. If if Christians say that that's true, then I need you to prove it to me. Where Where does it say that in the Bible? And guess what? He did it every single time, sometimes through a friend, sometimes through a Sunday sermon, and once even from a random verse someone left for me on a table when I was a waitress. Over time, my walls lowered. I started to understand. I allowed myself, my thinking, and my actions to be refined and redefined, not based on my thoughts, but based on His Word. Recognizing sin as sin isn't about becoming prude or giving up fun or limiting yourself. Recognizing sin is about humility, allowing God to sanctify your life. This is another one of those Christianese terms, but sanctification means to be set apart, to declare holy, and to consecrate, allowing His wondrous light to work through your life. You know, I was messaging with someone on Instagram the other day, and it was actually really encouraging. They were asking really good questions about seeming contradictions in the Bible. And truthfully, I don't have all the answers, but I can recommend you to resources where I have spent my own time investigating um, and attempts to help others. And sometimes I just have to straight up pray and be like, God, I don't know how to help this person. So help me know how to help them because they came to me. (laughs) Um, But truly, the conversation went really well. And it was really encouraging to see them sort of attacking Christianity in the beginning, but then at the end saying, you know, I think I'm going to give it another try. I think I'm going to give Christianity another try. And the person was just saying, you know, thank you for sharing the way that you do. And, you know, not all people are called, but uh, it's he may not be called basically, but he was glad to see me doing it. And I responded and I said, I think he used the word chosen, actually. But I responded and I said, no, we are all chosen by God. 
And I gave him this verse. First Peter 2, 9 says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And even giving that guy that verse, this ha- him talking to me happened the same week as the family member blocking me. But even in me, you know, reminding him of that verse, it reminded my heart of something as well, that we are all chosen by God. There's no special treatment. There's no um, hierarchy of humans in God's mind. We're all called to come out of darkness and into his wonderful light. My heart is really heavy for the family member that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. And maybe you heard this story and your heart instantly sank for a situation or conversation that is all too relatable in your life. Or maybe you too thought Christians are just self-righteous and declaring what is sinful according to God's word and you can't tell me how to live. But hopefully this episode gave you some deeper perspective and just some insight on how we just get our definitions from a different place than the world. We get them from God. And regardless of where you're at, I just wanted to encourage you all to never stop praying. I was so stubborn, but I still allowed God to do a work in my life, but it took daily effort. It took daily, um, just daily prayer time, daily time in the word, daily time asking Christian mentors, you know, what does this mean? This offended me or in my small group and over time, God God help me understand. Hebrews 3.15 says, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. I think this can be really applied to how we approach our human sinful nature. When you hear his voice, when you hear his word, don't allow initial offense to cause you to harden your heart against Christ, Christians, or God himself. Harden not your heart, but instead open it up in prayer. I really hope that this conversation encourages you and that you leave with a different perspective on sin, that it's actually through God's mercy and love and grace that he convicts and corrects us and not offense. It's it's not offensive. We should be more offended by sin than we are offended by God correcting us in, in our sin because he loves us enough to tell us. It's like when you have a friend, if you go out to eat, you know, and they get some salad in their teeth. They get mad at you when you don't tell them, like, sis, you got some salad in your teeth and you let her go that whole time without telling her. You got to think about it that way. God is telling you, hey, that sin, that salad stuck in your teeth, and I'm just letting you know it's there. I'm letting you know you can clean it up and I'm still going to love you and be here for you either way. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll see you next time on Christ and Me with Addie.